Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. What's up, Dr. G? So I really want to talk about dreams, man, because I've been been having these really intense kind of experiences in my dream state. Do you do you usually remember your dreams? I've been having a hard a hard time recently with dreams. But um you know what I've been happening is I'll go in with the intention of saying, Hey, hey, I'm gonna have a dream tonight or try to like to, to trigger that, like trigger the fact that just like to almost hit the record button in my sleep. And I'm getting better at like remembering dreams. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Like, like Jung had some really really interesting material on dream analysis and dream interpretation. Like he had these archetypes. There's there's seven archetypes, and I guess you could link you can link the seven archetypes with the seven main chakra centers in your body. But that's that's a different kind of drift that I'm that I'm going to. But so Jung talked about these these different archetypes that exist for all of us and there's seven of them the the first one is the persona which is the image that you present to the world in your waking life like your your mask the second one is the shadow which is the the rejected and the res- the repressed aspects of yourself then there's the anima animus which is the male female uh, the divine child, the wise man, old woman, the great mother, and the trickster. So there's there's all of this kind of understand. I mean, don't you think it's weird that everything on the planet, everything on the planet, goes to sleep for an indeterminate amount of time every night? Isn't that strange? There's who was saying, I forgot who it was that said that. I think it might have been Young, where he said that the reason artists and uh, I think it was Stanley, I think it was one of Groff's theory was why artists and people that have like a creative uh, aspect to themselves stay up late at night. And they've done studies consistently that show that the smarter you are, like you're going to sleep, you're going to stay up later <clears throat> and you're going to sleep in later. That's just, there's dozens of <clears throat> articles that showcase that. And my, take on it is with the morphic resonance theory that I believe it was uh, Groff or um, it might have been Stanislav Groff who said um, that there's a glo- you know there's the the the, f- the one mind that we're all sharing and when everyone's awake they're kind of taking in that space of the logos so I think when everyone's asleep you get more of that space to yourself to explore and there's not much as much chatter there yeah, Jung actually brings this up as well. He visited this tribe in Africa or something. I don't remember the name offhand of the tribe, but when he visited them, he he noted that they they would have collective dreams. Like the tribe was having these dreams that they would have together and they would differentiate the personal individual dreams as little dreams and the collective ones as big dreams. You know what's funny about that story is 
I think it was uh, P- it's Peter Gabriel has a song called Rhythm of the Heat or Rhythm of the Night. I forgot which one it is. And the whole story is about the memoirs of Carl Jung with that tribe where they thought, like, he thought he, they were going to kill him or something because of this, like, tribal pattern beat because he was he just came to this, like, tribe to check them out. And this drum beat just kept swelling and swelling. And I'm not sure if he took, like, an intoxicant or not, but he's, I think he became so subdued from the rhythmic patterning of the beat from this tribe that he started, like, you know, getting into that field that you were just talking about. Well, what I've noticed for myself is that um, there's this there's this sort of moment like right between when you when you are back in your body and you're you're about to wake up and that moment where you're fully awake and it's like this transfer and I'm not sure who talked about this but there is there's like this window where you can actively you'll actively transmit the dreams that you've had into your conscious mind. And Jung talks about the interpretation or the analysis or how, how you figure out what these dream Im- images mean. He referred to it as amplification. Is this the red book you're talking about? I know there's like a, there's a, he wrote a huge series of books, but there's one that has, is it Man and His Symbols that you're talking about? Uh, I'm not sure where I'm getting this from. Um, just, I was just, I've just been having these really intense uh, more sexually charged than usual dreams and I'm trying to figure out you know where and I've started like kind of collecting them into a journal and I'm actively writing my dreams down and and I and I'll do what you said I'll I'll start you know before I go to sleep I'll I'll put you know into my mind that I'm going to remember my dreams I think the the sexual charged, uh, themes that come up in the subconscious are all about, you know, I think that's the same correlation that everyone talks about with Satan and the devil and the flesh and how there's like the worldlier aspects of life. And as you like try to shed those away to focus on whatever your mission or your great work or, you know, life's path, life path is going to be, you like come in contact more like that part is fighting to survive and it probably is coming up to the surface more. Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Just, um, I mean that it relates down, you know, into the pineal gland and DMT and, you know, rapid eye movement and you're kind of releasing this, this neurotransmitter in your brain and that, that, you know, animals and humans all do it. I mean, my cat, has an active dream life so just intriguing man um but you ever have uh you ever have moments with with animals where you're just like there's definitely a consciousness there there's definitely some being that's behind there that's that senses you much more than most of the people and at least the civilization right oh, now. Oh yeah. Kinda. Oh yeah. My cat has more cognitive ability than most of the people that I encounter actually. But um, yeah, man. I mean, how do you how do you feel about where the podcast is and what we're doing here? I'm I'm having a blast. I, I I'm kind of shocked, like how many people are listening. To be honest with you, me too, man. I, <laughs> like, I'm not really like, kind of shocked. I'm not I'm not really sure how we're managing to attract 
these people we should just who come out are, with it like let's just talk like the podcast. I don't I don't want to drop any numbers specific but I did it's, I did finally get myself to check stats and it's pretty mind-blowing how many people are clicking our website and listening to our voices talk it's really really amazing and I mean I'm I'm pretty stunned by the whole process like I I mean I'm really passionate about bringing these people on and having them talk about their life's work and I mean I think it's the the most fun job ever I mean it does take a lot of energy and there's a lot of work behind the scenes but it's worth every moment it's been an amazing it's been a really interesting pro I tell you what I've learned more about business and other aspects of my life than when it was like from putting this together with you yeah man I mean I've been involved I know I've I've been involved in startup. I know that you've dabbled with that a bit, and this feels like a startup company. Like I feel like I'm launching a a startup company. And that's the way that I'm kind of perceiving it. So, well, if you really look at it, there was um, a recent book by the name of uh, the lady's name is I think it's Deborah Meadows, and I kept this book just kept popping up place after place. I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna just download this book because it it seems relevant, and it's it's called Systems a Primer. And it talks about how you can really break down anything into a system. And there's no reason why the system of a startup shouldn't apply to something like a podcast. I mean, it's technically a, a, a startup, you know, and you can start applying these other systems as far as inflow, outflow, having a stock and and apply that to pretty much any model. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's all of these articles that I've been reading recently about how the ear share, they, they're calling it ear share, for podcasts is increasing astronomically. There more and more people are tuning in to this this free kind of podcast movement. I mean whatever whatever that but is. You, but you know what? Let's I'm just gonna let's straight up break the fourth wall right now. You guys tell like tell your friends. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Like let's blow this the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> like straight up. Like Tell people, like, this is how the Rogan blew up. This is how all those other podcasts, like, blew up. Tell other people that are into this kind of stuff. And you, you know who they are. Just let them know. Yeah, I think, I think it's growing pretty naturally. Like, it's, and I think if people really like it, I mean, you share the things that you're into. So I think if, if people really like what we're doing, then they'll naturally kind of just want to share it, which is, which is cool with me. And, and yeah, I mean, um, what Rogan is doing and, and Duncan Trussell and, and some of the, the heavier hitters in the podcast sphere, I mean, it's it's pretty respectable, man. Like they're they're drawing a pretty huge huge audience and somehow I feel like we are the next generation of that type of person. Yeah, so, not to, you know, blow ourselves over here, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, what what's been going on in your life? Like, how how are things going on your end? Things are things are really starting to pick up a pace that I haven't been accustomed to since, like, I guess first starting med school. As far as like just jumping into the boot camp environment, things are starting to um, that system book really helped me as far as like putting things together, seeing things in a, in a certain kind of model, and. Things are firing on cylinders. I kind of want to just keep momentum going. There's a recent po- I forgot the name of it. There's a guy who was on another podcast talking about flow, the flow state. I want to start 
reading up on the people that are killing it, like how they stay in that. This positive momentum is there's something to it. You know, it makes sense. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you're like this. I'm. I am. Like, I will ride that momentum as as much as I possibly can, and I and I get to a point where I just burn out. Like, I will. Like, I'm firing on all of my cylinders, as as you just said, and I'll I'll just I I get so involved, and I'm like a complete workaholic, and and I put so much of my energy into it. So I'm learning how to kind of balance. And one of the big messages that I've been kind of getting is um, really just understanding and appreciating the journey aspect, like not so much the end result, and not so much the okay here's my destination but more of how am i getting there and and the process of everything you know it's i i 100 agree i didn't believe that till this last few months as far as kind of like jumping into this abyss and they're they're right like the journey is the process that sounds so hokey and bullshitty but i'm convinced that no matter where you are no matter what your environment is you're gonna do what you're gonna do I, i think it was osho the um i think it was dallas and basically, he describes how your life is this river. You know, you're going down this river course, and you can put all the rocks you want on the river. You can make these little tributaries to the side, but you're going to empty out into the ocean at some point. Like, you, you this vessel, of, this story of yours has happened before. You know, you're, this is going to happen to you no matter what. The experiences are going to happen to you. You're going to make these certain patterns of behavior because you're attracting certain type of people in your life. And these people are going to have some influence. And based on your decisions and choices you make, this is the story that unfolds. So watch it unfold and play with it. Yeah, man, it's easy to become absent-minded and kind of go into robot mode and really just kind of lose yourself and and get lost in all of the shit the super bowl or something and none of that so much shit though yeah i mean none of that stuff really matters none of it really affects your life and i mean these i mean not to you know kind of denigrate these people who obsess over conspiracy theories or whatever but it's just it just it doesn't affect me the illuminati don't affect me i don't i mean not not in the direct sense like yeah global policy affects my life but i mean i don't know any illuminati members and i just i i I mean it's interesting i mean it's entertainment for me it is affecting people because here's what i'm thinking now if there is an illuminati right it's almost mainstream now to the point where it is people are giving that thought that thought form energy, right? So they're they're giving away their own life's energy, obsessing about whether there's an Illuminati or not. And that <laughs> like they're winning. If that is the case, that's genius. Yeah, I mean before <laughs> like ten years ago, before nine eleven, I guess it would be more like fourteen years ago, but um before before then, no one really talked about the Illuminati. Like I was, I remember I, I had a conspiracy phase, and um, I really was obsessed with Bohemian Grove and but it's, it's what they were. Stuff. It is incredibly fascinating, like the Rothschilds and these people who these blood human effigy rituals that they're conducting. I mean, it's it's really truly interesting, and. But I mean, I think at the end and, you know, like when I kind of climbed back out of the rabbit hole, I just realized that 
it was another form of misdirection, kind of like the energy that you just said that we're putting into it. And I mean, there there does seem to be these occult orders, which which are which are, which are very interesting, and and their rituals are interesting. And you know, what I think that is, I I think that's no matter what, and no matter where you end up, and those occult, there's always an esoteric side of every religion. There's always like the mystics of Buddha, even Buddhism. The Jews have the Kabbalists. Uh, you know, there's esoteric, mystical, you know, even Christianity is basically founded on Jesus as this mystic performing miracles. And no matter what kind of, uh, no matter where you are, you're going to have people that gravitate towards that occult mindset. And you're going to have people that will form these factions and groups. And I guess just like any group, they're going to say they're the best group. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, if you have knowledge kind of like in a pyramid and there are a 1% of people who are kind of holding this information, I mean, wouldn't you do the same thing? I mean, wouldn't you create like a secret society? And I kind think of that's how it started world? though. Like, isn't that how it started? It's, it, you would like think about it, if we were monkeys, right? And you know, they, someone figured out, Matt, we're monkeys, we get to this point where we have intelligent brains, we can figure out and map the coordinates of the moon or the sun, and we know that when there's an eclipse, you're telling me that the guy that can predict, hey, the sun's going to go black today, they're not going to worship and venerate that person and get and take the power of those other, you know, tribe members? That's probably how this all started. I don't know, I don't know if you've gotten into, like, Robert Monroe's work, he's kind of a personal hero of mine, but he... He got in. He got into some really interesting stuff, man. He he basically started having these spontaneous out of body experiences, and he started journaling them. And we we actually have a guest that was featured in his book, um, which which I'll leave as a surprise. But uh, so Monroe got to this point, and you can find this in his books, where he saw this sort of matrix control system, and he basically. Basically, his his point was that we are all being used as batteries. Like we all our emotions, like anger, fear, love, hope, all these things, we're using we're being used as this sort of battery system. And he went into this deep sort of depression after that. It was really, it's a really interesting story. You should read that if you haven't. Haven't. I mean, I, I was just a, a friend of mine came in town and. I don't really like to go out. I had to meet her at like uh, like a, one of those piano bars, and just looking at everyone on their smartphone, there's everyone's like devoid of life. <laughs> These this younger generation is so go- like far gone. It looked like a scene out of Idiocracy. Like the girl, some girl was like taking a selfie of herself, like <laughs> taking a drink out of a plastic cup by the bar, like. Are you? You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> like she, she's like angling her face, and like she retook the picture. Like the first one wasn't good enough. She <laughs> retook the selfie of her taking a picture, oh, and I was like, man. "It's it's over. It's over." <laughs> I do I do that now as like a coping mechanism. Like whenever I feel like anxious in a social situation, I'll just pull out my phone and I'll pretend to look at it. So yeah, I definitely. I mean, I, I definitely understand what you're saying about how this generation, this this next generation, is is sort of. I don't know, man. It's we're in trouble, man. The, the human race is. I don't know. I don't know where we're going, but I guess I'm, we're gonna find out. I'm really starting to be convinced that the whole concept of the Antichrist. You know, that this whole. Um, 
old world theory, you know, Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson, where they say that the whole modern archaeology is bullshit, basically, where this pattern repeats where there's like a, a ice age, then there's like a, a window of opportunity where life begins again, and we emerge, and intelligent life emerges, or some of us still, still survive, and then there's like a comet impact, and there's always this like back and forth pattern of fire and ice, right? It almost makes sense that we would get to a point where technology exists. Like, we are here to extrude technology. Like, that's the being that we are as humans, is we are the bacteria on the earth that forms, like, plastics and spaceships out of living material. <laughs> so, like, we've done this before. This is our pattern. And the Antichrist and that concept of, like, the end of times is, hey, like, here's what's coming. We're going to develop to this point where we're, like, excruding and shitting out technology to the point where it's like detrimental to everything that's the antichrist yeah i mean there's a lot of major religions that kind of move around this subject like the hindus and like the krishnas talk about the the kali yugas and i've been kind of hanging out with these these crazy krishna people which they're really cool actually and and they they talk about how we're in this end phase of this like major Kali Yuga, Kali Yuga, they call it a Kali Yuga. And, um, they keep talking about how these awakening type movements are happening. Why do you think that Western culture is kind of being like immersed and flooded by all these Eastern philosophies and ways of thought? It is. It is interesting. There has. I mean, this has been a pattern also. There were every generation's like this is the last one. This is the last round. You know, like I remember growing up. Like my parents were pretty religious, and they were basically telling me, um, you know, like this is. You know, there's going to be like you're going to be the generation that sees like the re the end of times or something, and that's pretty fucked up to tell a little kid. First <laughs> of all, like, but you know, how do we know that's not being infused in people's brains? You know, if people are being told that, hey, um, there is an end of times, right? There is a an end to things. Maybe they're going to try to manifest that in their reality by, you know, they assume, oh, well, I'm the last generation. I might as well go out with a bang and just, like, shit this place up. Yeah, that sounds like a psycho psychological operation. I mean, nothing that I know of happened in 2012, and we're still here. So the Mayans... I don't, I don't know, maybe there's a misinterpretation of of something. and Or it was just a really big way to see how we would react to a situation like that. I mean, if you look at, if you look at media and movies, why do you think around that same period that we're seeing all of these, these crazy fucking movies about the end of the world and, oh my God... I mean, I think it's it's almost obvious now that we're 99% of, over that, 99% of species are toast on this planet that ever existed. That's clearly going to happen to us, and we've just been lucky enough to survive these cycles, you know, of, of some kind of, like, asteroid event and then an ice age, and we're just going to keep doing this back and forth. I think that's why we try to get off the planet. Yeah, like, I mean, I think it's like in our system. Like we know something's coming. We gotta get the fuck out of here. 
I would be the first one to take that fucking step. Like I'm, da- I'm down to get off the planet. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's int- It's definitely, it definitely is interesting how we've been kind of moving through these different paradigms and how each generation is given this sort of idea that it's the last generation, something major is going to happen with the planet when nothing really does and everything kind of continues on as it was. So. I guess we'll see. It's funny you uh, when you talked about getting onto Mars. I'll remember there was like a really low point I had like about a year and a half ago, and they, I was on some website and they were doing the Mars One um, applicants, and I didn't like hesitate. Like it was like there's this is, this is for a one way mission to Mars. <laughs> we're gonna like I was like oh well I might as well like try this out. <laughs> like, that's where I was at at that time. Holy shit! Yeah, I don't think I've I don't think I've ever gone that far. Not yet. I mean, but I'd I'd def- I'd be down. I mean, what com- what company was feeling? Like, this is the American government that you're no, no, like. This is like I think the Elon Musk like Mars, not Mars. Elon Musk. Um, there's there's like that. There's, aren't they filming like a reality series supposedly where they're gonna ship like twelve people to Mars and then they're gonna what? like someone's just gonna kill everyone. <laughs> like, oh my god, like, dude. Like, there's no way that works out. <laughs> I mean, imagine the psychological testing that you would have to incur, like how rigorous the training would be just to survive. Like, I mean, I've been reading, there's there's some articles out there about how deadly isolation can be and how when you close your off yourself off to society and other people, you, I mean, we're social creatures by nature. Humans are social by nature. So when when you close yourself off to those channels, you pretty much go insane. So being in space, which is this major vacuum, like, I mean, you're going to lose your shit. How, how proud do you think the first season of survivor cat the survivor cast is knowing that what they did for reality tv ended up putting a man on the on mars <laughs> <laughs> yeah what an interesting i love i love that though i love those i've always wanted i always wanted to be like kind of an anthropologist and kind of study just just to study people is is fascinating to me like watching what people are doing is is That's really nice. interesting and so i mean i i don't know if you could call like the real world anthropology but it's definitely it's definitely a social experiment you know like but yeah man i mean all of this is really interesting and and there there are some really interesting kind of guests that are in the line of of this thought and like like tom campbell is coming up and we've got this guy um who practices shamanic judaism coming up next week and and yeah man there's 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 a lot of like the the podcast is making a lot of momentum and i really i really see myself doing this for a long time and hopefully people enjoy what we're doing and talking about even though it seems like we're circle jerking sometimes yeah guys shoot us shoot us emails like anytime <laughs> Dr. G really wants to hear from I, you guys. I, I, want, I want one email. <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten a couple I've gotten a couple really heartfelt emails that I that really kind of made me stop and like I 
was really affected. And yeah, I mean, these people who you don't know at all, they're complete strangers who are listening to you talk, your voice. And um, this isn't counting groupies or anything like that. And these people are telling you how much something that you're doing means to them. I mean, it, it's, it's really powerful, the feeling that you get from that. So, yeah, man, um, definitely, we have your, your email up on the website, and so people can definitely contact you. Maybe they can contact you for medical advice. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can, <laughs> probably the worst decision you can make. But yeah, man, um, I'm going to be going to, I'm going to be traveling a little bit this weekend, and going to be doing um where you heading uh, i'd rather not i would rather not okay, say yeah, the sorry. location of where i'm heading <laughs> hey uh what's your where are you at right what's your address <laughs> phone number? but um i'm going to be meeting up with this group that i will also leave unnamed and they practice um i mean for them it's a religion and they basically conduct these ayahuasca ceremonies and probably the most transformative most profound thing i've ever experienced in my life and i've so quickly become so attached and like these these people to me mean so much it's like my soul family that i'm encountering and like these these old traits these old personality traits negative personality traits that i used to have are no longer there like i I mean, almost, there's a marked difference in in you like it's 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 palpable yeah man i just i feel more positive i'm not i'm less angry i'm i don't drink anymore i, I don't even have a desire to put that shit in my body i mean everything like from my diet to my personality and I'm so fucking thankful that, you know, like, like I found this just cause I'm, pr- I was pretty much teetering. And I mean, you know, this, like I was pretty much teetering on offing myself and I mean, this, this saved my life. And so, yeah, so yeah, man, I mean, I, I just, um, really excited for this weekend and everything has been moving so fast and I, I've just been working so hard on the podcast and, um, I will say, I mean, you can cut, you can edit this out if you want, but the most marked difference I've noticed is, I, I think you were on, honestly bordering on an addiction issue. Like, I think you were you were drinking a lot. Yeah, man, I and was I a heathen, you, dude. Yeah, you were you were definitely doing some bacchanalian, you know, debauch. <laughs> like you were. I mean, <laughs> well, the way it was for me, and I'll explain this is that. I would get into an uncomfortable type state. I would start to feel bad, like whether it was anxiety or whether it was a long day at work or whatever the fuck it was. And I would use drinking as a coping mechanism. And it wasn't even like a second thought. I would even plan out my day. I would plan out my entire day around drinking. And like to the to the moment where I would be going to the store and purchasing, purchasing the alcohol and... It was bad, man. I was, and and yeah, and I mean, you're a doctor, so I mean, I, I think you're trained to recognize addiction, and I'll admit it. Um, there was there was a very addictive. I mean, I think, and you know, this is just my crazy mind wandering, but I think that there was a fucking alcohol demon attached to me, 
And through the ayahuasca, like I detached it. I got it off me and now that it's gone, it's it's not hooked into me and sucking the life out of me anymore. So I'm 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 actually putting my energy into things that mean something. I mean if whether you want to call it a, a demon or some kind of thought construct, whatever the pattern is, it's 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 more than just biochemical to because we know for a fact that the studies are coming out from NYU from Johns Hopkins, you know, from some physicians that I was going to, you know, that I, that I know, that I know of, and they are proving that this is a lot more effective than just AA or just therapy or taking, you know, uh, medication. There's the block and that memory is being, re- the, the neuronal pathway is being reformed where the, reformed where there is like this issue. There's, there's some kind of even and biochemically, there is uh, work being done by the psychedelics. Yeah, man. I mean, I've I've noticed such a profound change in my own energy that people treat me differently. Like people are kind, and I mean, I I'm not really used to that. I'm and I'm it it kind of like worried me like when it started happening, just because I mean, people aren't you know noticeably overly like like kind or generous and and i started noticing that people would kind of um go out of their way to help me which is fucking mind-blowing man and i I don't know just really powerful and just and i I really really think that through the ayahuasca sessions that i i don't know man it i i've only had like four sessions, three sessions right now so far. But um, yeah, it's a complete, it's like night and day for me and just a complete change. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a marked difference and um, it works. You know, I went I went down to Peru. I've, I've done it. It's, um, it saved my life. It, it, I was, I was at a point right now, I was at a point in my life where I had, I lost everything I had. You know, I I was destroyed and I needed to, you know, I, I had to set the intention of what is my path? Like, where do I go from here? And the points that were outlined almost have kind of come, come to fruition. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really amazing, man. I believe it. And it, yeah, it, it's really interesting. It's, the, it's medicine. They call, they call it medicine. It's not fun. No, there's like there's nothing pleasant about an ayahuasca experience. I'll just say that. Like, I, I mean, it's you're nauseous, you're puking, purging, you're you're shitting your like. It's 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 not a fun thing. You don't you don't you're not saying to your friends, hey, let's let's go hang out, let's drop some ayahuasca and get wasted. No, that's not how it works at all. But the, you're. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, the good news is, you know, Roche Pharmaceutical within probably 10 years will figure out a way to like chemically synthesize it and make a shit ton of money off whatever it is. <laughs> so. I mean, I don't really see that happening, man, just because there's an actual cure happening. Like there I'm it's actually treating, you know, my depression and anxiety and my addiction. So there's no there's no reason for me to go back and and see a doctor and fill a prescription. So I just I don't. I mean, the maps. The maps institute is is trying to like pharmaceuticalize 
MDMA. They're they're trying to do that for 2021, I think, and they want it to be a prescription drug by, you know, within the next seven eight years. That's going to happen for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Even LSD and- now in in Europe is being used in a bunch of trials. I think they just started one here, and uh, I I don't know how they could possibly make a. I mean, I guess in a therapeutic session that would be good to use if it was like the, the pure sandos they were using back in the day but um even the, i mean psilocybin they can extract you know chemically there's um i think it's i forgot the the chemical formulation but it'll acetylate uh in your liver and just becomes like the active psilocin i think it's uh for for aco dmt or something like that where you you can get the chemical version of it and then um it becomes psilocin in your, in your system and you can, I think Johns Hopkins was using that or one of the other schools, one of the other uh, studies was using that because it's very hard to kind of titrate, I guess, the psilocybin dosage in mushrooms. So they were, I guess they synthesized it and they, I think it was like 2.8 grams was super um, effective in relieving anxiety and like terminal, people that were dying of cancer, they were giving them and they they went off in and not much psychological pain. Yeah, I think it was um it was either McKenna I think it was McKenna who had this sort of trip where he met this entity of the mushroom and it told him that it was from outer space and it had been around for thousands of years before human civilization and I just find it interesting like like Food of the Gods, that book was was really interesting. And that's a great book, man. That is a fucking great book. But yeah, man, ayahuasca has completely occupied my being, my consciousness. I'm more positive. I feel happy. I mean, not to say I don't have ups and downs, but I just I'm more stable than I was before I did it. I try. I tried to ask you this after you did it, and I. I I hate to like keep pestering you about it, but it just fa- this is the thing that fascinates me the most about that space is you should mention that it clicked for you. Like you just you got past this wall. What was the message or what was in that space that it was final was it the purge itself or was there um some you really, kind of you really con- want to know this? Like you want to know the answer to this? It's so simple. It was just surrender. Like <laughs> it's that I mean I guess maybe it's simple, but just surrendering to call it the universe or God. I mean, if you're an atheist, I don't know. But um, yeah, yeah, man, just letting go of your fear, your misconceptions, your preconceived notions about what you think is real and, and, and true and all of the shit that you hold in your body, all of the negativity that you pick up like every day, just letting that go. And, you know, ayahuasca is not this be all end all. And I don't, I don't recommend anyone do it outside of a clinical controlled setting, but um, this is all allegedly, of course. I mean, no, I mean, <laughs> no, the, I'm joking. I'm joking. the group that I'm doing with that has a DEA license and they're, they're regulated to, to distribute this as a medicine. So I'm not breaking any laws by, by doing ayahuasca within this group. Um, but, but yeah, man, um, just, just the idea of really letting go of, of, of what you're afraid of, of 
these ideas and and these things that hinder you if you can learn to do that actively i mean ayahuasca just is a tool that shows you how to do that and yeah man that is crazy stuff man i mean how often would you recommend doing it to me it's become like maintenance and i i plan on pursuing my relationship with this group, this group as much as, as much possible. I, and they train sort of shamans, their version of shamans. And so I, I plan on going down that road. And I would say to do it once a month is, is about where I'm at right now. I mean, it gets better with each ensuing time or is there more? Sp- no, kind of I don't, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess the, the like an onion peeling an onion, like you're, the first thing and like all of your physical, like your addictions and your anxieties and your fears. But each, each experience that I've had has been so radically different than the last. And from, from the people that I've met that are there and have been doing it for like 30 years in, in, in the jungle, in the Amazon. And they've, you know, they've, they've kind of echoed that same opinion just that it changes every time that you do it even the even in the amazon they were saying that the shaman was day to day he would sometimes take a little bit and have a crazy you know have a wild experience and then the largest dose wouldn't even affect them so i guess it it all depends i mean how did you how did you end up like in the amazon like can you let's can you share that story i I don't want to go into too much specifics on it but Something super catastrophic happened to me uh, in the middle of a very tumultuous time where to the, to the point where uh, I lost everything that I had, uh, everything that I owned in a, in a pretty in – in a horrible – it was a horrible catastrophe. And the, the, the plant kept coming up almost in a synchronistic way. Uh, uh, just certain contacts that came up. You know, I was interested in a certain field. Certain people like emailed me, and I got contacts. Ran to certain people. They kept recommending that I do a rotation with this person who's studying this plant medicine. It just kept coming up. You know, documentaries for things in the news. And as this catastrophic event happened, the first thing after the first thing I had was relief. I I felt this feeling of, oh, it's gone. Like everything's done and lost in this, this event. And I felt really free. And then the next thing I felt was, oh, I'm going to end up in Peru and I'm going to go do ayahuasca. And that was through some series of, of wild events. I ended up getting this, um, I ended up going down there as a, as a rotation for, um, for, for credit to actually, (laughs) to, to work with a, um, to work with a uh, physician down there, and is is it's actually uh, it's Naihu Row down in Iquito, um, Doctor Joe Tafour. Uh, he is he's the best. I mean, he's amazing. If anyone's interested in, in going, I can't rec. It's a uh, the uh, uh, Center de Espiritual, I believe it is, and uh, Ricardo, I believe, is the shaman there. Hmm. And uh, it, why it, you? Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Why do you think that there is there seems to be this movement of people who are being drawn towards going to the jungle and taking ayahuasca? Why do you why do you think that is? 
I mean, when he, what he told me, and I don't want to speak, you know, on his behalf, but he shared with me that um, the other physicians that have had those, you know, those type of mystical experiences, whether it was in med school or um, wherever in their lives, and they realized that there was a lot more to this, and they wanted, they ended up exploring that path. I know there's a lot of I'm, I'm assuming they've had those experiences in order to kind of go down that path. And I think that's why so many um, psychiatrists and doctors are kind of exploring that space or, or even researchers are exploring that space because of, you know, people that that are in academia or intelligent people that are professionals that are, you know, dabbling, so to speak, or having these these experiences and realizing that there's so much more to the toxic shit that's being spewed out of just literature, you know, even, um, I mean, look at what's happening if, you know, if, if what's going on with say like Randall Carlson or Graham Hancock, or they do find out that there is this, you know, go back Tepe and all these other different archeological sites that we're completely wrong about archeology. span I mean, we're, com- we're completely wrong every 10 years about physics. It's only fair that we're going to be wrong about psychiatry, psychology, medicine, you know, every other aspect. Wow. Yeah. That's so powerful, man. Just learning and, you know, like people, people like Graham Hancock who are just spreading the awareness. And, and I actually have a guest that is going to talk about ayahuasca next week. And, um, I mean, it's, it's such a powerful, amazing, like ritualistic thing. And I mean, yeah. And, and I think spreading awareness, it, it was, uh, Brad Burge of the the Maps Institute. I think I think what my takeaway from what what he that interview was just when you have psychedelic experiences that change your life, talk about them. And because I think so many people are afraid to kind of come out and and talk about this stuff and and our, our society is so fucked up that, you know, we we criminalize these these activities and we regulate this this idea of of the government being able to tell me like what what I can or can't put into my body and I mean it, it really is a big scam and so I just I mean yeah I would encourage people to if you're struggling with PTSD and if you have addiction disorders and I mean really look into going to the Amazon I mean I, I mean that does seem like a luxury and it is or or if it's helped you you know come out of the closet so to speak about it and tell people because that's the only way they're going to know you know it's it's it was one of the probably the it was probably the the most important experience in my entire life I would say that was the most healing uh, the most healing thing that's ever happened to me and I was really I was I know exactly how you're feeling. I was going down a, a bad path. Like it, it saved me. Yeah. Yeah. Easily hands down. Just, I, I, I'm sure. And you know, my, my closest friends and my, and my family, they will attest to this. And I just, um, I mean, I, I'm just very, very grateful for that, the, that ability and to, to find, to locate this very, secretive group that i mean if, if you know who i'm talking about you you either do or you don't and but they they do exist and um yeah i'm just i just feel really lucky man there was one i mean there's so many different aspects you know because one session is different than the next but there's one thing that's been you know the last few months 
there was something that appeared in one of the ceremonies to me that's been a struggle of mine. And it was, I ended up, I was in this like carnival and these, um, it was like a shooting gallery and these like things were just throwing coins and like a lot of sexual imagery at me. And I realized like they were showcasing like, this is the path you're going on. And I would see this giant tomb and I would see this body like dropping into this tomb over and over and over again. And I was like coming to take a look at it and it was me. I was rotting in this tomb and I kept going down this hole and just over and over and over again. And it was so clear what the message was. Well, the interesting thing about ayahuasca is, since we're kind of writing this topic, is that it, it's completely organic, meaning um, everything that, ex- like all, all the compounds that make up ayahuasca are, exist in your body already. So, it's, so you're not putting this like sort of foreign element, like DMT exists in your brain and your, your stomach produces MAOIs. Is that, is that correct, Dr. G? As far as the the ayahuasca working in the, the oral form, no, no, no. I mean, your stomach does produce MAOIs, right? Yeah, yeah. There's your your there's linings of MAOI all over your and in your intestinal system. Yeah. So I mean, so it, it's it's kind of this natural thing, and I'm even moving towards like like I f- I'm less drawn towards eating meat and I don't know, man. It's it's really really powerful, and and I mean I. I mean, I hate to harp on it so much, but... Well, MAOs, I'm sorry. I mean, if it was an MAOI, it would be um, inhibiting it and causing it to probably trip harder. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, isn't isn't the MAOI what allows it to cross DMT to cross the blood-brain barrier, the BBB? Yeah. So, if if you take an MAOI inhibitor to block the MAO, MAO, then it will induce the longer form of it whereas your lining of your lungs doesn't have um the mao which is why it rapidly your brain your blood brain barrier doesn't have it so it just rapidly degrades when people in um take dimethyltryptamine interesting um so yeah man um just to to wrap this up is there anything that you wanted to bring up or anything before we close this episode out guys blow us up (laughs) Um, I just, for me, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone that has been listening to our show and um, coming back and, and, and emailing me and contacting. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. And thank you so much for listening to us. And we really are trying to bring um, who we think is are at, at the top of their respective industries 